Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I'm just going to unpause, and we're going to go right into our assignment, because the Lord is speaking to us specifically, and we want to give our attention to what He's saying to us. This morning, the Lord told me, He gave me Joshua chapter 3, and we'll read verse 4 again. Joshua, we actually read 3 and 4. Let me go ahead and read both of them again this evening, because I want to... For those who may not have been able to be here this morning, I want to lay the groundwork. And then for those of us who were here this morning, I want to repeat because that builds it into us. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 3, they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. So the Ark of the Covenant was carrying the presence of the Lord, and he said, go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. And... The scripture is identifying that there's a position so that you can be aware of the moving of the Spirit. He said, I need you to be in a position so that you can recognize when the Spirit of God moves. And know because in order for you to go where God's taking you, he said, so that you may know the way by which you must go. How are we going to know the way? We're going to follow how the Spirit of God is leading. And so this morning, the Lord said very, very specifically to us, we are entering a season that will require, and he emphasized that word require to me, a season that will require the walk of faith. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid by that because you're a believer. By nature, you're a believer. That's not hard for you. And you're, you're a faith builder on top of that. So when he says we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith, what he's telling us is be who you're called to be. Be all in. Be all that. And then he said another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. It was an emphasizing or an a, um, explanation of what he means when he says the walk of faith. He says, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. And that's, when he's talking about walking, he's talking about our daily life. He's talking about how we deal with our thought life all day long. How we deal with the words that's coming out of our mouth all day long. How we make our decisions. How we, how we interact. That walking in the Spirit means that I'm living out of the born-again me. 
I'm living out of the life of God that He's placed within me, the fruit of the Spirit that He's placed within me. I'm not walking out of my flesh. I'm not responding out of my flesh. I'm not letting the carnal mind have activity. I'm going to have a renewed mind, and I'm going to keep it renewed. Just like I comb my hair every day, I'm going to, I'm going to renew my mind every day. And so he says, another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. And then he gave me these specific things. One, two, three, four, five specific things to identify and address in our lives. Number one, knowing the leading with a certainty. Talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Know the leading with a certainty. This is, to know the leading of the Holy Spirit requires practice on our part because we have a lot of voices in our life. Is that me? Is that the leading of the Holy Spirit? Or is the enemy trying to trick me? And so we need to know the leading. It is possible for us to gain such a skill in following the leading of the Holy Spirit that we know it's Him right here immediately, and we can move with what he's telling us. We don't have to verbalize it. Why? Because he doesn't know what God's telling you if you don't open your mouth and say it. There are some things that when we see in scriptures, the Lord showed some things to Mary and she hid it in her heart. She didn't go around talking about it. There are some things that God will reveal to you and you can begin to act on them and be ahead of anything the enemies tried to lay a groundwork to trap you with. You can be ahead because God's leading you and you're following his leading and you don't even have to, to question it. And you don't have to spend a whole lot of time agonizing. Is that God telling me to do that? When you know it's him. So that's number one. Knowing, know the leading with a certainty. And number two, practice obedience. Practice obedience. I praise God for his mercy. I praise God for the mercy of God. But, you know, that mercy is there for when I miss it. (laughs) And when I'm not as quick to obey an instruction. I'm not talking about sinning and disobedience as much as I'm talking about be quick to be a doer of the word. Be quick to act on the word. Obey that instruction of the written word and the instruction. So practice obedience. And then number three, develop humility and the love walk. They're connected, but he identified both. Develop humility and the love walk. No matter where you are in those two categories, you can come up, I can come up, we can all reach a greater skill and level of humility and a greater uh, uh, skill in walking in love. Amen? And then he said, finally, uh, not finally, for the fruit of the Spirit is vital. That's interesting. He said vital. Vital talks about life. If you want to check a person's life signs, you get their vitals. Right? Isn't that what they say? Let me get your vitals. The nurse comes in and says, I need to check your vitals. They're checking blood pressure. They're checking your heartbeat. They're checking different different things that indicate your condition of life. And he said, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. Fruit of the Spirit is something we cultivate. 
We cultivate the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is present within every believer, but not necessarily at a fruit-picking stage in every believer. You've got, to, you've got to practice joy. You've got to practice patience. All of the fruit of the Spirit can be cultivated so that you have a greater bounty of it, so that you have a greater supply of it. It's all available to you because you're born again, but it may not be right for the picking. So he says, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. And then finally, he says this, the trust in God, and then the Lord said, His ways and His word. Trusting in God, His ways and His word are safeguards. Safeguards. And trusting, again, it's not automatic. It takes it takes a determined purpose. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust. You have to say it. You have to determine it. You have to position that trust. You have to lock in and, and hone in and say, I'm going to trust in the Lord. So these are, are all spiritual activities. These are all spiritual supplies and spiritual activities. And he says that these are how we are going to gain the depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. So guess what we're going to talk about tonight? We're going to start with number one. We, we identified some things uh, earlier this morning in the direction of faith because he said uh, the, this season will require, and we found out how to find the point of victory. The point of victory is the moment we believe the word and act on it. That's when victory is established, and then we'll walk out the manifestation of it. But tonight we're going to talk about following the directions of the Spirit of God. I want you to know how to identify the leading of the Lord. And I want to begin in what Jesus taught in John chapter 16. We'll start with John chapter 16 and let's, let's learn how to be certain about the leading of the Lord. John 16 verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come. So Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, not as it. If you have a translation that uses the word it, go ahead and, and translate and meditate. You put him. <laughs> when he, the Spirit of truth, he, he is the Spirit of truth. He, he won't guide you into error. He will guide you into truth. When the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you. Notice that. Guide. He will guide. Mark that. He will guide. He will guide you into truth. Then it says, he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, he shall speak. Mark that in your Bible. He shall speak. I know it says, shall he speak. That shall he speak, but he speaks. He will guide. He will speak to you, to me. He'll speak to us. He will guide us. He'll speak to us. And then he will show you things. 
to come. The word show in the original language means to announce or declare. He will announce things to you. He will declare things to you. Hallelujah. Do you think that's important? I do. I think this is, this is so important to us. He will guide us. He will speak to us. He will show us things. Things that haven't happened yet. Things that are to come. Things that will prepare us. Things so we won't be caught off guard. Things so that we can prepare. That's what he's done for us today. He's told us that the days ahead are going to require the walk of faith. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. He will show us, announce, declare to us things to come. And then Jesus said, he will glorify me. He will glorify me. So the Holy Spirit will, will, will point us to Jesus. He will highlight Jesus in our life. He will, he will cause us to see the importance of Jesus in our life. Amen? He will glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it. There it is again. This word show, to announce, to declare, he will show it to you. So it said in verse 13, he will show you things. It said in verse 14, he will show you the things that are Jesus Christ's. Why would he show us the things that belong to Jesus? Because we're in Jesus. We're in Christ, and for us to be able to know who we are in Christ, he has to show it to us. He will take what is Jesus and show it to us so that we will know how to identify what belongs to us in Christ, what is his, amen? He will show it, announce it, declare it. And verse 15, Jesus takes us a little further in that concept, all things that the Father has are mine. Whoa, now we just know what things we're talking about. The things that the Holy Spirit is, of, of Jesus, that Holy Spirit is showing us, they are the things of the Father that the Father has entrusted to Jesus and we are partakers of because we are in Christ. And, and for us to partake of it, we have to see it. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul was praying in Ephesians when he said that they would know what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance? He's going to show us the glory. He's going to show us the authority that's ours in Jesus' name. He's going to show us what the blood of Jesus will do for us. He's going to show us our position in Christ. He's going to show us the favor of God in our life. He's going to reveal the blessing. Oh, think of all these things that are part of the inheritance. The inheritance is not just money. Money is the least thing in the kingdom. You are anointed with the anointing on Christ, the anointed one. You, the anointing is higher than the money. You're anointed. You're anointed. You are anointed. He's got to show you how anointed you really are. 
You can't know the anointing without the Holy Spirit revealing the anointing to you. He has to show you. He has to open the eyes of your understanding so that you can see how the anointing breaks every yoke in your life. Hallelujah. All things that the Father has are mine. That's why I said he will take of mine and shall show it unto you. Announce it. Declare it. Here's another word. Here's another word that is found in the Strong's Concordance under this definition of this word show. And it's an important one. Rehearse. Rehearse. Let's read it with that word. That's one of the definitions from the Strong's. Let's go back and read rehearse. 13, the end part. Whatever he will hear, that shall he speak, and he will rehearse to you the things to come. So if you didn't get it the first time, praise God. He's a rehearser. <laughs> He's going to say, don't you remember what the Lord showed you? Y'all, I was believing God to come out of debt. Pastor and I had stood. We had started at the beginning. We, we committed to God. Father, we will, we will follow your instruction. We're going to get out of debt. And we, we put it in front of our eyes. We wrote down exactly what we owed. We cut up our credit cards. We, we sold some things we were upside down in. We took natural steps. We were taking spiritual steps. And, and I, I began to sense in my heart that, that it was close. You know, I, it was just, you could, I, I was aware of it. And I, I, I had a dream, and in this dream, I walked in to a, a table. It was like a boardroom table. It had one of those long meeting tables at it. I walked into this room, and it sat at this table, and there were checks in the middle of the table, and there was a man of God standing there, and he slid one of the checks to me, and handed me a pen and he said, fill out your check. And I said, can I fill it out for whatever amount I want? It was a blank check. This is a dream. And I said, I said, may I fill it out for whatever, because I knew what we owed. Pastor and I had written it out. We had it before our eyes. So when he said, fill out the check, I said, can I fill it out for whatever I want? And he said, yes. You know, other people were coming in and just doing a set amount, $500. But I, I, didn't, I needed more than $500. I need $23,000. And so when he slid it across, I, I woke up from that. I wrote it down in my journal and forgot about it. And a month later, when God brought me out of debt, I had totally forgot the dream. I still sensed that it was going to happen. I even told Pastor, we were going to the minister's conference in January, and I said, I'm taking my list because if, you know, the people we run with, that anybody at any time, you know, Bill Winston might just stand up and say, if you know how much debt you owe, I'll pay it right now. And so I'm ready, you know, I'm ready. And so one day I was going into, in it, I was parked at the far end of the Eagle Mountain International Church parking lot, y'all, the far end, and got to the door and realized I forgot my list. And it was cold that year. And pastor said, well, are you going to go? I said, I'm going back to get it. 
I'm not going in here without it. I carried that list in there to every service. I wasn't disappointed when it didn't happen in that meeting. But I, my faith was out there. I was still putting my, I put my paper down on the floor with my list of how much we owed. And I'd stand on it and I'd talk to it. You listen to me, I'm talking to you. I'm, I'm, you are under my feet, Dad. You are paid in full. And, and I was dominating it. You know, I was speaking sharply and roughly to it. I was, I was, I was rebuking it. You debt, you get out of my, Sally Mae, you move out. Move out. And then that Wednesday night, we went to church the Wednesday following that meeting and, and somebody sent a text that morning to Pastor Steele and said, Pastor, how much are you? How much money do you need? And Pastor, he had the list too. He knew exactly how much it was and he answered with that just right away, how much it was. And I, I woke up that morning with debt. I went to bed that night with none. It was paid in full. I had a suddenly. That was the year that the Lord had said, you will receive a suddenly. Suddenly. Y'all remember that when Brother Copeland had, had received that word of the Lord that you're going to have a suddenly? I jumped on the couch. I rolled on the floor. I ran circles around that living room. I mean, it took me about 20 minutes to catch my breath because I was just laughing. I said, I just got a suddenly. I got a suddenly. And I, it was it was. So much joy and so much rejoicing. And then about two days later, I went to open up my journal and just kind of rehearse some things I'd written in my journal. And my mouth fell open when I saw that dream about the blank check. The Holy Spirit was trying to rehearse with me. He'd been prompting me, but he gave me a dream to tell me how close I was. It was going to be like... Just fill out the check. He was rehearsing it with me. I'm so glad he didn't stop. I'm glad he didn't just tell me once and say, well, she didn't get it. I'm just going to go on. He, he kept prompting me. He kept, he kept rehearsing it to me. The Holy Spirit will show you things. He will rehearse things to come. He'll rehearse it. Because he loves you so much, he wants you to be ready. He wants you to be on time. He wants you to, to have everything you need when you show up. He'll rehearse it with you. And then it said in verse 14, He will glorify me, He will receive of mine, and shall rehearse it unto you. He shall rehearse it unto you. Verse 15, All things that the Father has are mine. That's why I said he will take of mine and he will rehearse it with you. I want you to see that. I want you to know there are some things that keep coming to you because, the, you know, this will let you know. If you'll listen to me tonight, you'll, you'll, the second time you might think, well, that was a coincidence. Never. No more coincidence in your life. Don't even think coincidence. It's not the coincidence. It's the Lord. So the second or third time that it comes to you, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's rehearsing something with me. I need to pay closer attention to that. I need to write that down. I need to put that on the, on the mirror. I need to have that on the refrigerator because he's rehearsing that with me. 
He keeps bringing it up. If you keep coming across something, if you keep hearing it, you hear it in one sermon and then you turn on the radio and you got a preacher on the radio and you hear it and then you put in a tape from seven years ago and you're listening to a CD from seven years ago and you're like, that's the same thing the Lord said in that last sermon and what he said to, through pastor last week. I better pay attention. He's trying to rehearse something with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need this. The Holy Spirit, he'll guide us. He'll speak. He'll show us things. And he'll rehearse things. He will glorify Jesus by showing us and rehearsing with us the things of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's also look, while we're here in John, at John 14. John 14, and I'll read 16, and if you'll go ahead and pull up the Amplified on the screen there, it may take you, so I'll, get, I'll give you a fair advance warning. John 14, 16, I will pray the Father, and He will give you another comforter. Another comforter. And I, these, these teachings, you may have heard them before, but faith doesn't come by knowing. It comes by hearing. So I'm not telling you to give your head something new. I'm telling you to give your heart a fresh feeding of faith. I'm putting it on the plate. Right? Another. Another comforter. Jesus used a word that is specific. There are two different Greek words he could have used. The one that he used, the reason why he used it is we'll see as I show you the difference between it. There's one word for another. Let's say, for instance, uh, if I had a basket of fruit and I gave Brother James an orange and I said, Brother James, would you like another piece of fruit? And he said, sure, Pastor Michelle. And I reached down and gave him a banana. It's another piece of fruit, but it's not exactly what I gave him the first time. That is not the word Jesus used. The word that is used here in this verse is another of the exact same kind. Another exactly like the first one. Another comforter. Who is he comparing this another to? Himself. So the, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Another just like Jesus. He's not going to respond any differently than Jesus would respond. He's not going to instruct us any differently than Jesus himself would instruct us. If we needed to know what to do and the Holy Spirit tells us something, we don't have to go behind his back and get a second confirmation from Jesus himself because if the Holy Spirit says it, it's exactly what Jesus would have said if Jesus was standing there telling you what to do in that situation. He is another just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. And so another is important because he was comforting them in telling them because they could not see how it would be better for him to go and the Holy Spirit to come. How could that be better? How could that be better? I mean, they had walked with Jesus he had raised the widow of Nain, son from the dead. He had healed blind Bartimaeus. He had, had, had countless people that were healed uh, 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 through his 
laying on of hands and people set free. And I mean, they'd seen legion transformed. How can you... You can cause fish and bread to multiply. We've seen you feed thousands of people. And you think it'd be better for us if you went away? How could it be better for us if you go away? He said, because the reason it's going to be better for you is because if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And he is another just like me. He is another comforter and so the word comforter is the word paraclete paraclete it is a compound word the first part of the word means alongside or or by your side we know the holy spirit lives in us but he's talking about how he helps us how he works with us. He said he's going to walk alongside you. He's going to be there right beside you. And so uh, that word para means alongside. And then the, uh, it, uh, it also means partner or standby. A partner. Not only is he there by our side, but he's a partner with us. We're never alone. He's a partner with us. We're never on our own. He's a partner with us. We're never by ourselves. We never have to do all the heavy lifting. He's a partner with us. And it means a standby. He's always on call. He's never too busy. You don't have to wait till you can get an appointment with him. He's, he's standing by to help. He's on standby. Now, the other part of that compound word means, and it's the word cleat, C-L-E-T-E, it means Called, summonsed, or appointed. Called, summonsed, or appointed. Who called him? We're talking about the third person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit of God. Who called the Holy Spirit? The Father. He summonsed him. Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and he will send. He, so... He's summoned by God. Who assigned him to you? The Father assigned you a partner. The, the Father assigned you a standby. Someone side by side working there with you in every situation, every decision. If you will train yourself to inquire of him about every decision, you'll never have to make a decision in the dark. You may not know all of the details in the natural, but if you will learn how to ask of the Holy Spirit, He'll tell you the right choice without the details. Why? Because He's summoned by God. He's appointed by God to guide you, to teach you, to speak to you, to show and rehearse the things that belong to you, the things that will come. That's his assignment. So this word called is the same type of calling, the same holy calling that a person would be called into ministry. Just like a person has a holy calling 
to pastor a church or a holy calling to evangelize or a holy calling into the office of a prophet or an apostle. That holy calling, the Holy Spirit has a holy calling. He takes it serious. He takes it serious. This is his assignment before God. This is his, his appointment from heaven. He's appointed to help you. He's appointed to help us. Thank you, sir. So that's serious. Jesus said, he is another just like me who is called to help you, called to guide you, called to lead you. Hallelujah. So the Amplified, did I give you enough time? Isn't Kim doing a good job back there? The Amplified, this word comforter is so multifaceted. The Amplified uses seven different words to identify the office of the Holy Spirit. He is a counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener. He's a strengthener. Think of the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 that you would strengthen him by your spirit in his inner man. What, what asset that is to have someone who can strengthen you in your spirit. You never have to, to be weak in your spirit because you have a strengthener who will strengthen you by the spirit in your inner man. It also means standby. And then it says this, He will remain with you forever. Hallelujah. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to its heart, because it does not see Him or know and recognize Him, but you know and recognize Him for he lives with you constantly. Now he was telling his disciples before, this, before the cross, before the blood was shed, they had been walking in the, in the power of God. They had, been, had delegated power operating for them. They had seen the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with them, but he wasn't in them the way he's in you. But after Jesus shed his blood and made it possible for a man to be born again, he, the Holy Spirit, could come in and dwell in us. Now the Bible says, Know ye not that you are the temple. Can we look at that? 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He will be in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Well, if you've ever done any kind of study on how the Old Testament tabernacle was set up, we know that there was an outer court where the brazen altar was, and they would bring the 
sacrifice and the blood was shed in the outer court and then it was taken into the holy place and in farther into the holy of holies and only the high priest could go into the holy of holies. And so the word for the holiest of all, the holy of holies, is the word naos. That's what he's saying right here. You are the holy of holies of God. Now there's not a veil separating and a limit of who can come in because he's come into you. You don't have to go into him. He's come into you. When you were born again, he moved in. The Holy Spirit of God now dwells in your tabernacle, in your heart. You are the temple. You don't have to get up and we're coming together to the, the, the gathering together of the house of God because you're a stone in the house of God. I'm a stone in the house of God. And when we join together, we are, we are united in the things of, that God is speaking to us and preparing us for and we enable that corporate anointing that Sister Pat Harrison talked about when she was here. That corporate anointing and in that corporate anointing as we each who are carriers of the presence of God join together, we in, in our interaction enable Him to be able to move in a greater way. You are the temple. You are the temple. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 also is our evidence. Verse 16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Don't you know that? He's asking the question. Don't you know? Don't you know that the, you are the temple and the Spirit of God dwells in you? You have to have the Word to reveal that to you. You, you need the Word to enlighten you and help that to be reality to you. I remember hearing uh, one minister say, that the Holy Spirit had him really just stay right there. It was actually, he was using the scripture from Romans chapter 8. And he said, I was just walking across the floor. It was Brother Copeland in the beginning of his ministry. He said, I was just walking across the floor. And he was saying, greater, uh, the Spirit of God dwells in me. And then he would go to 1 John, greater is he that is in me. And the Holy Spirit kept emphasizing. And, and the more he uttered it. And the more he declared it, the Spirit of God is in me, the Spirit dwells in me, greater is he who is in me. The more that he uttered it, the more realization he had until the light came on, so to speak. And he was like, the Spirit of God dwells in me. See, we're not talking about just head knowledge. We're talking about a realization, a realization that, that enables us to interact with Him throughout our day so that we're constantly talking to Him and we're constantly acknowledging Him and we're constantly saying, what should I do about that? Is there anything I need to know about that? I'm, I'm here if you want to warn me about something. I'm listening. When, when we recognize the importance of Him 
being in our life, we will interact with him more. We'll, we'll, we'll work on maintaining that conversation with him. Not just on prayer time, not just on uh, Sunday or Wednesday, not just during the time that I've got my Bible open, but he's with me all day long. He's with me at all times. And he's there for a holy purpose to help me. I wonder if we, we, not you, we, I wonder if the, if the Lord took us back over the last, let's just say five years, and showed us how much we could have done if we would have accessed his help. Where we could be in our debt freedom if we had accessed his help. Where we could be in, in the plan of God if we had interacted with him more. I say we because all of us, all of us are, what are we doing? We're gaining skill in this. We're coming to the Lord and we're saying, he's a better teacher than I am learner. So I want to come up in my learning. I want to be a better student. How can I be a better student? Because he's the best teacher I could ever get. And he knows how to teach you the way you'll learn if you'll interact with him. You won't get a better teacher than the Holy Spirit. He created you. He knows how you're built. He knows how to get things across to you. Hallelujah. Let's look here. At, let's go back to John chapter 14 and let's look at verse 26. Now, the reason that I'm emphasizing these is because these are the things Jesus said right before the cross to his disciples to identify to them the important aspects of their relationship with the Holy Spirit and how they would be different than they had interacted with him before. Remember, he said, he's been with you, but now he'll be in you. So they had seen the Holy Spirit move through Jesus' ministry. They'd been around the moving of the Holy Spirit, but now he's saying the Holy Spirit's going to move with you and through you. So in John chapter 14, again, let's look at verse 26. But the Comforter, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. Go, me, go to the Amplified there and let me see. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to the next slide, please. He will teach you all things. He will cause you to recall. He will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. Hallelujah. And I want you to think about this. There were some things that Jesus 
couldn't share with them because they weren't able to bear it. Remember, he said, I would, I, there are some things I needed to say to you, but you're not at a place to receive it yet, but the Holy Spirit will teach you. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will show you those things. He'll teach you those things. So, so if he's assigned to teach me certain things, things I may have missed, things I might not have, have captured the first time I heard it preached, but I need it, and now I've grown up a little bit, I've matured in that area, he can bring it back to me, he can bring me back to that place and lay that foundation for me and lead me into that truth. I need what he is assigned to teach me. You need what he is assigned to teach you. Without this, there are some things we're going to miss if we don't have this teaching, this revealing, this remembering. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and he will bring all things to your remembrance, cause you to recall them, things that he has spoken to us. Hallelujah. So how's he going to do this? Now, when I first got saved, I wanted to know how to hear from God. And I was trying to hear the only way I've ever heard with my ears. I want to hear God with my ears. And so they would say to me, when you have your time in prayer, when you get done making your petitions, the things that you're praying about, things that you know to pray for, when you get done, just listen. Well, that did not help me because I was listening. And I could hear the neighbors. And I could hear the dogs barking down the street because I was listening. But I was listening with my ears and not with my spirit. I did not know how to listen with my spirit. I did not know how to hear in my spirit. And the people in the church said things like, I was praying and the Lord said to me, the Lord said, what? I thought that was odd. I thought that is so strange. You mean the Lord's speaking to you? Now it is so normal for me to, 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 that concept is not an odd concept to me now. But yes, the Lord speaks to me. I'm his child. I'm his daughter. But in the beginning, I didn't know how to hear. And so let's, let's let Scripture help us. Proverbs 20, verse 27. Because we want to hear spiritually... And the word helps us hear with our spirit. The word of God helps us hear. He says in verse 27 of Proverbs chapter 20, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly, of the innermost being. The spirit of man is the candle of and the center column reference uses the word lamp. We don't use a candle for light unless the electricity goes out. <laughs> we use a candle for fragrance most generally in these, this day and age. But it might be more 
helpful to say light bulb, light fixture. The spirit of man is where the lights come on. That's, that's what we turn on the lights so that we can see where we're going. We turn on the lights so that we can move around, so that we can see and read and do our work in the house or here in the church, whatever the case may be, for us to be able to see clearly, for us to be able to have movement. If, if we turn the lights off right now, y'all remember when the lights went out while pastor was preaching that Sunday night? Well, there was enough sunlight coming in and people aiming their phones at pastor that he, and he had his, you know, uh, iPad so he, had, he could still read his, his notes and his Bible. Uh, but as the sun went down, you know, we don't have as much light coming in. Well, for us to get up and walk around in the dark, it could jam some toes. We could have some bumps and, and bruises as a result of trying to move around in the dark. And when people try to, to go through situations and circumstances in their life without checking in their spirit, they're bumping into things. They're falling over things. They're tripping where they ought not be. If they just turned the lights on, they wouldn't have to trip. And so he says the spirit of man is where the Lord turns the lights on. That's how the Lord's going to turn the lights on. That's how he's going to show you. God's going to speak to your spirit. This is his preferred method. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. And we will begin in verse 12, Romans 8, 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, but you could say to the spirit to live after the spirit. For if you live after the flesh... You shall die, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So we see there's flesh and there's spirit. He says we don't have to yield to the flesh. We don't owe, we're not obligated to give in to the flesh. We don't owe our flesh anything. We can, through the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, talking about those things that cause destruction, through the Spirit. And then he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God have a heritage, a right. We have, we have a birthright. It is your right to be led by the Spirit of God. It is it is your born-again right to be led by the Spirit of God. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Sons of God, this is how, this is how we're going to walk in His plan. This is how we're going to stay ahead of the attack of the enemy. This is how we're going to, how to reach our destination. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Led by the Spirit. Now, in this same chapter, verse 
before I move ahead, let me, let me stop and say this. He brings in these two verses a, a contrast to the outcome. Notice he said in the previous verse, he said, if you live after the flesh, and then he contrasted that if living after the Spirit or following the leading of the Spirit. Notice the contrast. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you threw the Spirit, through the leading of the Spirit, through following the Holy Spirit, through, through Him teaching you, Him guiding you, Him showing you things, you will live. You'll mortify those things. You'll, you'll put those things away. How? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. If you'll live after the Spirit. And so that contrast is important because He shows us the outcome. The greater, and this is what the Holy Spirit said to us, the leading of God, we have to be certain about the leading. We have to become so in tune with His voice, how He sounds, how He, how he speaks to us, how He prompts us, so in tune that we are certain that's the Holy Spirit. And to do that, you know, that, to do that, there's a couple of different things that have to take place. You have to know the peace of God. If you're, if you're a person who lives in chaos, it's going to be difficult because the Holy Spirit guides us with peace. Peace is one of the main indicators He uses. And so we have to become governed by the peace of God for us to adequately, accurately follow the Holy Spirit's leadings and guidings. When... And, and there are some other things, I'll, just in case your inquiring minds want to know. You've got to have a renewed mind. To follow the Holy Spirit with the carnal mind will be a frustration and a, a hiccup. It, it will always be a moving forward and a stepping back and a moving forward because you'll want to follow the prompting and then the carnal mind will have you take two steps back. And then your spirit will hear from the, the Holy Spirit and you'll want to move forward in that. And the carnal mind will keep wanting to move you back. So you've got, to, you've got to walk in peace, be governed by peace. You've got to have a renewing of the mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got to become skilled in refusing worry. A person who is subject to worry, who, who participates in worry, will we'll have a hard time even hearing the Holy Spirit. It will dull your senses. It will, it will make your heart callous to hear his, his... Because worry dulls the senses. Worry makes people drunk with worry. You, people can get drunk with cares. That's what Jesus was saying in Luke when he said the, the surfeiting, overcharging your heart with surfeiting and with the cares of this world with worrying about things, that, that <clears throat> when a person worries, you know when a person is drunk, they'll say things that they wouldn't say if they weren't drunk. They'll act in ways they wouldn't act if they weren't drunk. They, they, will, they will behave and respond to things slower. That's why they, they'll be driving and they'll think it's farther away if they're drunk driving, they're not safe to drive. Why? Because they don't have the right judgment. Drunk people 
don't have the right judgment and worriers don't have the right judgment. Worrying makes you, makes, it, it, it does the same type of things to your senses. It dulls your senses and it makes you say things you wouldn't say if you were not worrying. It causes you to, to be slow to respond to spiritual things. The judgment of a worrier is not a safe judgment. They're not in a position to make a right call, to make a sound decision, because that worry does the same thing that like alcohol does. It dulls that person down, and they're not thinking why, because they've been their mind has been going like at the hamster wheel with that worried thought. Y'all tell me how I know. Just ask me, how do I know? How do you know the details? Because I have been there and done that. So all of those things, the renewing of the mind, becoming skilled and casting your care upon the Lord, all of these, these areas are part of the leading of the Lord. These things dull us down spiritually and it makes it hard for that person who is not governed by peace, who is worrying, who is allowing the anxiety, who is not renewing their mind, that person is going to have a difficult time following accurately and knowing for a certainty that's the Holy Spirit. So you see why these things are not just one, this is one step to how to be led by the Holy Spirit and then you got it? No, it's a few different things, but all of them are beneficial. All of them will help you in other areas of life too. Let's look here at Romans again. He said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. Verse 16. The Spirit himself, your, your King James says itself, but he is himself. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Bears witness with our spirit. This is God's preferred method to communicate with you. God would prefer that this be so well developed on your part that he doesn't have to go beyond that in some other way to prove to you it's him. He wants to bear... He has taken the most important thing you'll ever need to know. And how does he convince you of it? How does he reveal it to you? He bears witness. The most important thing you'll ever need to know, that you're a child of God. And because the Holy Spirit has witnessed that to you, the devil can't talk you out of it. The most important thing you'll ever need to know, God has chosen this method to get it across to you. Bearing witness with. This is God's preferred method to lead us, to communicate with us. To, we're, our spirit, your born-again spirit, is his candle, his lamp, his, his light into your life. For him to shine light into your life, how does he want to do it? Through your spirit. He's got to reveal it in your heart. 
so that you can see it and walk in it. The most important thing that we are children of God, he says, this is how I'm, I'm going to bring it to you in a way that the enemy can't manipulate. Now, the enemy can duplicate a dream. The enemy can try to bring you a dream. He can duplicate a word. The enemy could send. We have scripture of, 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 uh, of prophets that came, but they weren't prophets of God. And they came and they gave a word and they said, thus saith the Lord, but it wasn't the Lord. Right? So the enemy can duplicate a word. He, he has lying signs and wonders. So if you say, Lord, I believe it's you if I see this happen, the enemy can duplicate that. That's why we don't put out fleeces before the Lord. We are New Testament believers. We are not in the position Gideon was in. If you've ever heard the phrase, put out a fleece before God, I, I put out a fleece. What that refers to is a man in the book of Judges named Gideon. He wanted to know what God wanted him to do. He wanted to know the leading of the Lord. And he said, Lord, if you want me to do that, cause the cotton, the fleece, to be wet and the ground around it dry. And when he got up in the morning, the cotton, the fleece was wet and the ground around it was dry. And then he said, Lord, if it's really you, then tomorrow when I get up, let the cotton be dry and the ground around it wet. And when he woke up, the cotton was dry and the ground around it was wet. And then he knew what God wanted him to do. He had to have God show him through these external situations what his leading was. But you are equipped differently. You are alive unto God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. You do not put out fleeces and ask God to prove things to you by external situations because the adversary will duplicate it. He will manipulate that. You don't need to, to, to demand of God a vision of an angel. Demand of God a working of a, a miracle. No, I know your voice. Another voice I will not follow. You are my shepherd. I know your voice. So I don't need to fleece God. I don't need to put out a fleece. I need to learn how to recognize peace. I need to learn how to know his leading. I need to become certain that's the Lord telling me to do that. Hallelujah. Wives, support your husbands when he endeavors to hear from God because even if in the past you may have been more spiritual, God's system is to speak to the head of the house. He gave him the responsibility, and as your husband begins to mature in the things of God, God's going to go to your husband, and he might not tell you 
but he'll expect you to submit. And, and so that's why we've got to bring to our husbands a support in prayer. And then when he says, the Lord's telling me to do this. Even if we say, well, God hadn't told me. God's not obligated to tell you. If he told the head, he doesn't need to tell you. You can ask him to give you peace about it, but you don't need to demand of God, you got to tell me, or I'm not going to do what my husband's telling you. Out of order. I'm here just because the Lord has me here. <laughs> Y'all see me closing my eyes when I go to the like I close my eyes, I'm not looking at anybody. I'm telling you, we cannot be out of order. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. It's scripture, ladies. Don't rankle when you hear that. Don't get all, all, all crooked and, and upset when you hear that. God has designed. It's the word submit. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. The word submit means duck. Lower the head. Duck, you, you are not, not Holy Ghost Junior. God does not need the wife to, to be the Holy Ghost to the husband. He says, you duck, I'll get him. I'll deal with him. You get, get your head out of the way. If we're up there trying to be the head, out of order. Hallelujah. See me smiling? I'm helping somebody. Even if in the past you were the one that heard from God and God had to deal with you, his plan is that your husband comes to the place that he can deal with him. Because that's the order that God established. God deals with the head. There have been times that God has spoken to my husband things about the ministry, about our personal life, about the direction of certain things. And I didn't have, I didn't have anything about it. But I, I have to realize, God's not obligated to... Check with me and, and clear it with me. But as I learned to say, okay, and, and listen, if he gets it wrong, it's not your place to hold it over his head. Glory to God. If he gets it wrong, you better have mercy because you hadn't always been perfect either. Right? You pray for your husband. That he, that he being the head means if there's any, listen, if something goes wrong, God's not coming to me. I'm not the head. Woo! <laughs> Do you see the responsibility that comes with the position? So, so encourage him and submit and let him know, I'm by your side. 
And even if you miss it, God will keep us. If you miss it trying to obey God, God will keep us better if we are in unity than if we turn on each other and I start blaming you because you missed it. No, listen, God's our rescue. Even if I miss it, he'll make my mistakes prosper, Psalm chapter 1. He'll make, he'll make your husband's mistake. If your husband misses it trying to follow God, you encourage and support and say, don't worry about it, God will help us fix it. Amen? Because that order is God's order. Hallelujah. Moving right along. I, that was worth you combing your hair and coming to church tonight. I did, that was a rescue for somebody. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, the blessing of the Lord is on, on the unity of the marriage. If there's disunity, if there, if, if there is that, that uh, uh, struggle, that power struggle going on about finances. Listen, if you want financial victory, you better get together. You better set aside differences. You better hold, take every grudge you've been holding and put it under the blood and forgive. Forgive each other. You need the love of God operating in both parties, in both people, in that marriage, so that your faith will work and so that the blessing of God won't be hindered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I want to read the, the uh, next verse. It says, uh, that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified with Him. So the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children, and not only children, we're heirs of God. You won't get that without His help. You've, he, he's got to reveal it to you that you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The Weiss translation says, the Spirit Himself is constantly bearing joint testimony with our human spirit. Constantly bearing joint testimony with our human spirit, our born-again spirit. Constantly bearing joint testimony. Witnessing. Have you ever heard somebody say something and you say, well, you know, that just witnesses with me. It's like you have a green light about it. You feel good about it. As they explain the situation to you or explain the plan to you, you have, you have in your, your heart a green light about it. That's the bearing witness. That's what he's telling us we need to become so skilled in, that certainty that I know how to recognize the peace of God. I know how to identify that's the Lord telling me to do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and you know what the only way that's going to happen? Is that we start interacting with him 
and acknowledging him because God would prefer to teach you on insignificant things like turn left at the stoplight and you say, that's just me. That's just me. It's not about what's down the road. It's about, are you going to listen to me? Yes, it could be that he's taking you away from where a drunk driver is going to be coming. It could be something like that. But he would rather teach you on insignificant things so that when it comes to one of those life or death scenarios, he knows you're going to follow him. He'd rather teach you about a purchase you're going to make and talk to you and you say, well, that's not a big deal. It's a big deal if it teaches you how to listen to him. If he, if he says, don't buy that couch, walk out of here. You say, but I got money to pay cash for the couch. That's not, the, that's not see the reasoning? I'm trying to get you to obey me. I'm trying to get you to know that was me telling you that. Hallelujah. So don't pull it up here. Listen, when you get something from the Lord in your heart, don't pull it up to your head and, and muddy it all up. It just makes it muddy. It just confuses it. If you try to mix reasoning with revelation, it's just going to muddy the water and you won't be able to see anything clearly. You got to keep it here. Don't pull it up and say, but why would God tell me to do that? Why would God have me to do that? That doesn't even make sense. He's trying to get you used to hearing him and following him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I've already bought a ticket. There was a, a girl... who had already bought a, a ticket to a, uh, a football game, one of the, the uh, championship, what is it, the in, that big football game they have? Super Bowl, bought a ticket. <laughs> Y'all can tell I don't know nothing about sports. <laughs> she bought a ticket to the Super Bowl, and the, the, her friends were, it was out of state, and her friends were coming through to pick her up. They got to her house, and they said, Hey, come on, we're ready. Why aren't you packed? And she said, I'm not going. They said, why aren't you going? <laughs> what, why, why aren't you going? You have your ticket, it's paid for. Your room is reserved. Why aren't you going? Your ride is here. I mean, it, you know, we got you. Come on, let's go. She said, I can't go. I can't go. I just have something. I, have, I don't have a piece about going. I have something in my heart telling me not to go. And so... She, as much as they tried to convince her to go, she refused to go and said, I just can't. I just can't. She couldn't explain it. It didn't make any sense. She's going to lose the money on the ticket that she'd purchased. You know, she, she, her friends were upset with her because it, it turned their plans inside out. But they went on without her. But they never made it to the Super Bowl. Because their vehicle wrecked on the interstate and they all perished in the car. 
And she had no reason, but she had a leading. And she was acquainted enough with that leading that she didn't let the reasoning and the pressure of other people talk her out of the leading. Because she knew that leading, I can't override it. I can't, I can't move beyond that leading. I've got, I've got to obey that leading more than this pressure they're putting on me. More than how it doesn't make sense. I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. it. It's not reasonable. You see, we don't want to receive an instruction and pull it up and reason it away. So listen, God wants to train you on insignificant things. Things that are not life and death. So that in the event that he needs to deal with you about something that is life and death. Something that is major. He's able to get you quickly to respond. I was leading worship on a Sunday night at the Kansas location. I got done with worship and I, I set down the microphone and I walked to get a drink of water and as I walked down the aisle of the church, the Holy Spirit said to me, go home now. I had a teenager who had told me they weren't feeling well, and I had allowed that teenager to stay home. And I didn't hesitate. I was about three minutes from the house. We had a house right there in DeSoto. I was about three minutes from the house, and I looked at Pastor Marie Price, who was there with me. She was my armor by that night. I said, I've got to go to my house right now. She said, I'll go with you. So I grabbed my keys got in the car, drove over to my house, and there was a car in my driveway that should not have been in my driveway. And I walked in my house in time, in time, in time, moments, I mean seconds away from an adult who was about to do something to my teenager. I was in time. If I had hesitated it would have been too late. If I had hesitated at all, it would have been too late. I'm telling you, those, that, that's an extreme example, but it happened to me. One day, Pastor Steele came up the stairs. He had been downstairs in that house praying, and he came up the stairs, and he had this look on his face, and I said, what? What? He said, the Lord told me to check the right-hand drawer in this child's room. He walked in to that drawer, pulled the drawer out, reached in the back, the back of the right-hand drawer, and pulled out cigarettes. That, that child said, we couldn't get away with anything. The Lord told you everything we tried to do. I remember saying, Lord, don't let my... I, I prayed this. This is what I prayed. I said, Lord, don't let my children think they can lie and get away with it. Bring it to my attention. Uncover anything they're doing in the dark. 
Because I don't want them to think they can lie and get away with it and then go out out of my house and keep lying and think they're, gonna get, they're not going to get away with it. So I want them to learn consequences while they're in my house. Hallelujah. And you know what he did? He brought it to our attention. He showed us where the liquor was hidden. We went out of town one time and he, I, I identified, I, I had put one of my children in with somebody else while we had to go on this conference trip and we came back and I said, somebody snuck in this house. I found it. I found out where they'd snuck in and I found out where he'd been trying to hide, hide beer bottles and, and, and liquor and I'm like, nothing. <laughs> Why? Because it was the promptings. I, I didn't know it, but he showed me things I didn't know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he'll show you things you need to know. Whether it's helping you with a child or helping you get out of debt or helping you in, in whatever arena. The Holy Spirit has showed me how to work things on the computer. He is a helper. He's a helper. Show me how to set a website up, how to fix the live stream. If I, any of that who's worked with me, y'all, they say we have this problem in the media, and I'm back there. I'm going to figure this out. And, and Anna will be saying, uh, can I do anything? I said, just let me pray in the Holy Spirit. I need to figure this out. I'm, and I'm pushing buttons and praying in the Holy Spirit. And he shows us things to come. Hallelujah. Pause. Pause. We'll, we'll, we'll continue in days to come.